Capital FM. Capital FM. Capital. Capital FM. Capital. Personal experience. Личный опыт. Ведущая утреннего шоу на Capital FM Moscow Дина Майл. Я преподаю актерское мастерство в английском театре. И многие из моих студентов не знают, что я говорю по-русски. А я притворяюсь, что не понимаю их, чтобы они практиковали язык. Learn how to speak English like a native speaker with Capital FM. Извините, я не понимаю по-русски. Capital FM Moscow. Зачем просто слушать музыку, если можно еще и учить английский? Capital FM Moscow 105.3 The latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM News. Road works and rain in the capital brought traffic to a standstill on Wednesday evening. It began raining earlier in the morning and Thrush Meteorological Office said it expects more showers in the next couple of days. The Andex Traffic Monitoring Service said the congestion in Moscow reached the record high 10 points at 7 p.m. local time, which normally happens only occasionally every year during rush hour. Moscow Mayor Sergei Sabanin says more than 1,000 heritage buildings have been renovated in the capital in the last seven years. That's more than half of the total number of old houses in the city. Russia has reportedly launched a pilot project implementing facial recognition technology in Moscow metro and train stations near stadiums hosting the 2018 FIFA World Cup this summer. Around 160,000 cameras monitor Moscow as part of its safe city surveillance system. The system's introduction follows the announcement that facial recognition technology had an accuracy rate of 90% in pilot tests at the Mazilova airport, one of four airports serving the Russian capital. Facebook has until the end of 2018 to comply with Russia's data storage law or be banned like Messenger Service, Telegram for professional network or professional networking website LinkedIn. The law requires all social networks to move data on Russian users to Russia. Facebook is also obliged to remove all prohibited information, according to the head of Russia's internet watchdog Roskomnadzor. The professional network website LinkedIn has already been banned in Russia for refusing to comply. The popular messenger Telegram was blocked in Russia after refusing to provide Russia's Federal Security Service with keys to decrypt its messages. And thousands of bees staged an extraordinary attack on a passenger plane at a Moscow airport on Wednesday. They swarmed in Airbus 319 as it was about to start taxiing ahead of taking off from Vnukova Airport bound for Crimean capital of Simferopol. The bees flew from under a wing, said eyewitnesses reporting the incident. Some attached themselves to the wing while others covered windows of the Russia airplane. Airport staff then efficiently and quickly removed the bees from the plane's fuselage. The flight was delayed by slightly under an hour. Traffic. It is currently five points out of possible ten on the Moscow roads driving time to and from Vnukova Airport is about one hour and twenty minutes both ways. 55 minutes to Shurumyachiva, 1 hour and 10 minutes back to the city. Over an hour to the Maziyadavam, 1 hour and 30 minutes from the airport to the city centre. Weather. 22 degrees Celsius in Houston, 23 in Hong Kong, 14 in Helsinki. It's cloudy here in Moscow, the temperature standing at 7 degrees Celsius. That's it from me, Yule Bokova. Do stay tuned for more. Capital FM, Moscow. Capital Sports. 
with Alan Moore. Good evening. It's Wednesday, the 18th of April, here in a lovely balmy and a slightly wet Moscow, the capital of Russian Federation. Now, I'm Alan Moore. This is Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Yekaterina and I, we have to tell the truth, uh, we're both at the Erzade Arena as you're listening to this because the game was between Lokomotiv and Ahmad Grozny is probably coming to a close. So you'll have heard us reporting from there already this evening. However, we have the best news, views, previews, reviews, interviews and everything else, views included. We have a superb interview this week, where one that we've saved up here with the irrepressible, inimitable Frankie Boyle, who is giving us his hopes for England in this summer's World Cup, uh, his view on why Scotland failed to break free from Britain, and uh, all about his Gaelic football experience. We're going to be taking a look at the English Premier League, and uh, of course because the Champions were crowned this past weekend, and of course the FA Cup. We're going to kick off the show with that. Then we'll have a look at the draws for the UEFA Champions and Europa Leagues. The semi-finals were drawn last Friday. And a little bit later, we'll have a look at a very important week that's just passed for the Russian Football Premier League and what's coming ahead. And we'll also check in on the KHL final series between Siska Moscow and Akbar's Kazan. But first, if you had been listening to us in October, even in November, even in December, even in January, when the odds were still fairly okay, you'd have been, well, a little bit richer than you are right now. Because in October, we told you Man City would win the English Premier League to get behind it, to put the money on. Because I think at the time it was 7 or 8 to 1. We were right. Every week we repeated the same thing. And now, well, our, I can say our predictions have come through, but I think everyone knew it was going to happen. So Man City, they have moved past Newcastle United and Sheffield Wednesday and are only one title behind Chelsea and Sunderland. They need two more title wins to catch Aston Villa and um, 15 more to equal their Manchester rivals United's. Uh, their total, of course, is 20. But of course, as everyone tells us that Man City, they are the greatest team of all time. That Sky News told us that. Um, we don't really quite believe it, but well, we'll go along with it. So, Liverpool, they have 18 titles, beat them in Europe. Um, Will Grigg, he extinguished them in the FA Cup fifth round when uh, they lost to um, Wigan. However, Man City did win the League Cup, so they did kind of do a double. Maybe Man U fans would call it a kind of a plastic double. So, well done, Man City. We're going to have a little uh, celebration song for you later on. And hopefully, uh, Pep Guardiola, he'll stay in charge. So, City's title, it was kind of bittersweet for Man United because it was gifted them by their red rivals. Uh, they somehow contrived to lose at home to the worst team in, well, in the, at least in the last 10, 15 years in the Premier League, West Brom. Sorry, Matt, to say that, but it is true. Uh, so, on the same day that Arsenal's insane season continued, uh, where they lost to Watt at Newcastle, you know, it just, I don't know, like fair play to West Brom, they have a caretaker manager in, who, uh, Darren Moore, who you know, got them over the line, he won 1-0, um, and credit where credit's due for Rafa Benitez, who came into a pretty tough situation, it's still tough up in Newcastle, he has battled relegation all season long, but now has made them safe, so Johnny will be happy with that one, so for a man who's been widely ridiculed, he deserves a little bit of kudos. Spurs pretty much wiped themselves out of contention for second place by losing 3-1 on Saturday to Man City. If they had even drawn, they would have caught up with uh, Man United. Anyway, uh, and of course last night they drew 1-1 with Brighton. However, however, we do have to say congratulations and well done to Brighton's uh, manager, their head coach, Mr. Chris Hutton, former Irish international, of course, former Spurs player as well for the Spurs star. Uh, he has really proved his mettle as a manager since he's come in uh, to the club. And yet again, he's done so well with very little resources. Not alone has he steered his club to mid-table safety, but he's done it against all odds from money to support and even from expectations. Um, of course, you know, 
the first time I, saw, I, I went to a full English match, it was the FA Cup. Uh, it was a, a, the fourth round uh, proper between Liverpool and Brighton. Uh, we went, actually we saw West Ham play the United. Uh, my dad, myself and my brother went over. It was 1983. I'm feeling massively old right now. And that day, Liverpool, who were all conquering in England, all conquering in Europe, just this unbelievably good team with, you know, Kenny Daglish, Bruce Grobler, these like superstars who still, when when you mention to people of, I was going to say of, of a certain age, but then I'm putting myself into that bracket. But when you mentioned it to people, uh, these are the super superstars of the English game you know you would not understand just even today in this like clickbait media and with um, news kind of on demand straight away you know we, we read shoot magazine we watched them on TV you know once a week and whatever but these guys were superstars Brighton with uh, Mickey Robinson and uh, you know kind of a sort of a motley crew of kind of journeymen who were dead bottom of the old first division now of course the Premier League they were dead bottom playing against the top team and they beat them 2-1. Um, I think Tony Griggs as well was playing, the great Irish player, was uh, playing for Brighton at the time. And they beat them at Anfield 2-1. And it was just, just a, a brilliant day. And of course, uh, me not being a Liverpool fan, my brother being a Liverpool fan, I started to cheer for Brighton, even though he'd been cheering for West Ham United the day before when they played uh, Dundee. So there you go. Um, right, now back on to English matters and no more walks in memory lane for the moment. Down at the bottom of the table, Stoke and West Ham had a six-pointer on Monday night, uh, which finished in a 1-1 draw. Now, West Ham would be delighted with that. Stoke, well... They're gone. Now, listen, I asked our friend, our very, very good friend of the show from, um, who was almost last week, uh, Ivan Korsh. Of course, he's the president of the Stoke City Fan Club here in Russia. I said, look, is there a chance that you guys are going to stay up? And he just said, nah, we're done. So it's Stoke and West Brom. They're pretty much gone, despite, you know, um, Stoke's point and West Brom's win. Uh, both, those game, both those clubs have played 34 games each. Now, above them, Southampton are looking doomed as well. They have five points to make up on Swansea City and six on Crystal Palace now they do have a game in hand on Crystal Palace so they, do, they can make that count but it's going to be very very tough because of course as we'll report in a minute uh, Southampton are in FA Cup action this weekend now tonight Manchester United they are away to Bournemouth Kickoff is at 9.45 so when we finish up our uh, assignment out at the Erzade Arena we're going to run to a pub and watch that Tomorrow, tomorrow, Southampton are travelling to Leicester City, who are kind of still they're chasing a, a spot in Europe, and they do need to win. Uh, if Southampton lose tomorrow, that's it; they are definitely in the championship next season. Uh, of course, they have a big choice: do they feel the full team today, and you know maybe not win, and then have a weekend team to play the weekend? Well, that's a question. It's only for the manager. Uh, on Sunday, there is a big London derby with. Arsenal hosting West Ham kickoff is at 3.30 so Arsenal they are in a battle for six spot with of all teams Burnley whose manager Sean Dyche is he has to be issuing for boss of the year for what he's been working on in terms of budget in terms of stadium and everything this is a team that people are figuring are always going to go down every single season they're tipped to you know finish the bottom half they're chasing you know they're chasing sixth place they're battling with Arsenal this like Arsenal who are always in the Champions League um who still have a good chance of winning the Europa League. We'll discuss it a bit later. Uh, however, uh, you know, Burnley, you know, it'd be great to see them doing well. So uh, West Ham could do them a bit of a favour. OK, as I said, at the weekend, it's semi-final time in the FA Cup. On Saturday, Man U, they're travelling to the neutral venue, which, of course, is now home of Spurs at Wembley. Uh, this is to try and rescue the season for Jose, Jose Mourinho, of course. Now, both these teams, they need silverware desperately. So this is the last chance for either to do something worthwhile. Kickoff is at 7.15. Uh, Man U are coming in kind of as warm 
favourites. Spurs' season has kind of come apart at the seams, but um, it'll it'll be tight. I mean, I think most people will see this going to extra time. Uh, okay, on Sunday at five pm, Chelsea will also look to do something worthwhile this season and get past Southampton. Now, Chelsea they have been so disappointing for large parts of the season, and with Antonio Conte looking for, well, he will be looking for new work come June. An FA Cup and a CV would at least cover the hole that was this uh, this season's campaign. Southampton, as I said on the other hand, will be just delighted to make only their fifth ever FA Cup final, and uh, they've won only once back in 1976. I don't remember that, listeners. Uh, and it would be a huge boost for them next season to get some Europa League cash because uh, as well as you know if they get relegated they will get that parachute payment for dropping out the EPL um, and it'll be a reward as well for appointing Mark Hughes now of course Mark had come from Stoke who put them in that kind of position with Stoke um, and Hughes would love to get one over on his former club Chelsea uh, with whom he won the FA Cup back uh, 21 years ago in 1997 um, and then if you got in to face United in the final that would be that dream time for Mr Sparky Hughes uh, United of course enjoyed the very very best of Mark Hughes when he came back from Bayern Munich um, with him he won two Premier Leagues he won actually a League Cup if I'm not mistaken League Cup FA Cup double in 1993 or 94 or 93-94 whatever um, so to make the final beat then well it's kind of like I say a bit massacre hard it would be Priceless. So, uh, now we're going to walk into our interview right now with uh, Frankie Boss. So a little bit of a taster uh, before we, we, we go to a song to sort of like round off this first segment. Um, I think you're going to like it. Uh, Frankie, as I said, he was in here in the studios with us in Capital FM. Gave us a lot of his time. He shot here in the Russian State Social University as well. He visited Lokomotiv Moscow with us. And um, he has some interesting things to say about a lot of sports. So, uh here he is, the uh, the man himself, Mr. Frankie Boyle. With Alan Moore, uh, the man and the legend. He's he's Scottish, of course, which makes it even better. But he is Irish as well. But we'll cover that a little bit later on. We have Mr. Frankie Boyle. Frankie, welcome to Capital FM. How you doing, Alan? Thanks for having me, man. Listen, it's great to have you here. And you know, the main thing is that we're like we're improving the uh, beard situation here. Yours is magnificent. I had this trimmed. Uh, in a special Russian beard bar. Go away. the tidiest it's ever been. Especially yeah. for here. Yeah. Oh, I, that's great. I, I told her to make me look noble. <laughs> she did. You look a bit of a Romanov, all right. <laughs> but see, then the problem, if you look noble like a Romanov, then you look like one of the, uh, you know, Victorian people. From yeah. Britain, I think all... radio listeners are going to struggle with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe you do have a chin. Oh, it's under there. Yeah, I think so I've got a couple under there. That's okay. Well, at least one. That means yeah. then you're definitely not inbred like the, well, the Romanovs and the... Uh, what would you, what were the ones in Britain? Um, the victorious people. Which which lot of inbred British <laughs> upper okay, classes? We move on very quickly. So, Frankie, listen, we're going to talk about uh, what you're doing here in uh, Russia at the moment, um, and of course, it's football related. But first, I want to ask you, you know, what is your first football memory? I think the first time I really took any notice of football. Celtic lost a cup final to Rangers. I can't remember which one. I must have been really little. But my brother jumped into bed crying, like pulled the duvet over his head. And I remember looking at him thinking, wow, this is really serious for some people. And I didn't get it at all. And that was my first thing of, oh, right, everyone in the family is really, really concerned about what happens to Celtic for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how old was your brother? Oh, God, he'd have been like a little kid as well. Seven or eight, I suppose. Okay. So this would have been around about 
1980 or something. I can't okay. think what game it was. Uh, is he, does he still do the same thing when Celtic lose? I bet he does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully, you won't listen to this. So, uh, so let's. Okay. So. Of course, it's World Cup here here in Russia. Uh, hopefully, World Cup will take place if there's no more well international incidents. Um, what's your first World Cup memory? What What's the first World Cup you remember? Oh, that's a good one. I remember um, the Hand of God thing, obviously in '86, really well. But I'd have been 14 by then. But I remember I had money on Lineker scoring. Um, and I think he did score in that game, didn't he? Did, he? So he I did, got like yeah, a yeah. tenner off my dad. <laughs> and England got beaten just after the Falklands. And it was like one great goal and one totally unfair goal. So it was like the perfect storm, you know? Money, English chagrin, <laughs> unfairness. Brilliant. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I do want to mention, of course, Scotland in the whole thing. Because I would have thought you'd remember the 78. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember um, hearing the song, we're all going with Ali's army, we're going to the Argentines, we're going to win the World Cup, that kind of thing. I remember going into my parents' bedroom, so I'd have been six, singing that, going, oh, we're going to win the World Cup, aren't we, Dad? That's just what I'd heard. And he was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it, it, I mean, Dad told me that was a great Scottish team, and of course they had one of the greatest all-time uh, World Cup goals scored in that match against uh, Holland, or in, in the World Cup yeah, against yeah. Holland, so I mean, it was wonderful. They kind of match that terrific goal from Maradona against England when he dribbled through the whole defence. With Alan Moore. So, of course, that's part one uh, of Frankie Boyle. You will have to listen to the end of this show because what he has to say at the end of it, the English team, you will absolutely love. It's going to... people. It was just so honest and so brutal. Anyway, we're going to play out this first part with a real throwback to 1992. And this is when... If, when you play this song, you, you'll hear, like, you know, goal number one, Dalian Atkinson. Aston Villa or Stan Collymore whoever it may be for Knott's Forest uh, you really like it this is one to get us like uh, upbeat on this lovely lovely Wednesday evening here in uh, downtown Moscow this is The Lightning Seeds and Life of Riley Capital Sports with Alan Moore
Hey, this is Becky Hayes. Listen to the BCM Radio Show every Friday on Capital FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1am on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your... This is Capital Sports, Moscow's Capital FM. This is Frankie Boyle here. I'm interviewing Alan Moore, a man who has just spoken flawless Russian with a beautiful Irish accent. Thank you very much. Uh, and I'm hoping you can ask, answer some questions about um, Russian football because I'd quite like to know what I've been watching. So far, I couldn't quite make it out. We've been at a couple of games, and all the Russian sides seem to play this really high press, or what I would think of as that anyway. Not being a, <laughs> I'm not a sports <laughs> journalist, but it seems like it's a bit like England in the early 90s when everyone played the offside trap and they all just played in the middle, kind of third of the pitch. Is that standard for Russia? It is for so many teams up at the top of the table, Frank. You're, you're, you're bang on with that because um, a lot of people don't don't really see it. Like they just watch the game as it flows, but they kind of play slowly from the back, push up the defend the the strikers pull back towards the, the middle third, and then try to play their way through the middle third or the middle third of the field, which doesn't work, and it does lead to a kind of a slow, cumbersome. A not thoughtful game, um, and you know, there's no strikers chasing down defenders. There's no, you know, hassling the goalkeeper. They kind of let it play out, kind of a bit like Italy as well. Sometimes yeah. where they sort of play out and you only defend in their final third. But you're it's, right. It's they, a lot like watching them kind of try to thread a needle or something. They just kind of try to walk it through the central defence. We've not seen a goal so far, even in the games we've watched on Delhi, and you're just like, well. You've got you've got a striker who's probably faster than the centre backs when he's facing the goal. Why don't you just knock it forward and see what happens? You see, what we grew up with, what we understand has been like your good attacking football. Whether it's and Graham Taylor had Jack Charlton did like good attacking sort of football, even Alex Ferguson as well. Get the ball quick up to the forwards. They don't quite do it here, and a lot of it goes back to the Russian mentality of not making a mistake right. and taking responsibility. So uh, it's something that a lot of players, like from the youth age groups, have, I'll say beaten out of them, but not in a Catholic Church Christian Brothers kind of way. But the fear has been put into them from early on that they, they try to play the ball. They do play nice passes. They've got beautiful first touch, lovely control, yeah, lovely. Technically, they're amazing. Technically, they're top. They are top. But in terms of just like getting the ball and flicking it forward or, you know, kind of threading the pass through or chipping it over the top, they don't want to do it because as soon as they lose the ball, they're starting to get screamed at right. and they freeze up. So That's interesting because the other thing I've noticed is that final ball or that final bit of the attack, there's a real stutter. It's almost like the winger gets the ball and then there's a sort of moment where he, he waits to play the final ball in and it's it's almost comical to watch. Is that is that the, the fear of failure? It is because if you think the, the most... Uh, I always... When I was coaching football, even still with Gaelic football, like get the ball forward and bring it in close to the goal and then pass it back out, kind of at a diagonal. So, as we know, when wingers, um, like I'm just thinking of, uh, oh God, now I just blanked his name, Stark, he used to play with uh, West Ham, from, he's from Dundee, Dundee United, uh, Ray Stark, he's a penalty taker, Ray Stark. Uh, anyway, when he got the ball, he just like put it past the fullback, sprinted in, he's a fullback himself, take it to the end line and pull it back. That's the best way. It's the most difficult way to um, attack to defend and so on. Here they stop and then they try to put this diagonal ball in, and yeah. it, it you know it's easy. It's meat and drink for defenders. Yeah. 
I think it's that they don't want to lose the ball because if they lose the ball, then all of a sudden it's either they lose face or the, the manager going to shout at them or they have to track back. So there isn't that kind of... Um, there's just a fear of failure and a fear of responsibility. up. That was the general's... That's it. Feeling about it, yeah. You know, I mean, I, you, we saw it, even um, Lokomotiv Spartak at the, at, the, at the match. Okay, the weather was terrible, but even come to the end of the match, when there was a chance to put a, uh, you know, uh, put a ball into the mix, into the into the box, they wouldn't lump a ball forward. There's no Packy Bonner, like, from, you know, getting the ball back at you know the edge of the Celtic penalty box and, like, pumping it long up the field. They don't do that. They need Andy Carroll in this division to play his ten games a season <laughs> for, like, five minutes at the end. <laughs> and get a couple of goals. Yeah. yeah. But even, they, they have a player who's down, uh, well, he's now in, in uh, Arsenal Tula, uh, Archom Juba. Now, he's bounced around the place. He's a big, bustling centre-forward with beautiful ball control. Now, he's a bit of a, he has a bit of a personality issue sometimes, like he sort of, he acts up a bit, but he's a player who, if you put the ball up to him, he holds it up and plays with it, and he can actually beat players, he's got lovely speed as well, but the even like Mancini, or Mancini, sorry, from Zenit, doesn't trust them, because they want to play the ball to a striker who will hold it up and play it back to midfield and then play yeah. it back to defence, so they don't really like the bustling centre forward that we would have grown up with. So you, you coached Gaelic? Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. So I, I, I watched Gaelic like as a kid when we were on holiday, we'd always go to the Ulster final in Clonus. Oh. I was watching when I'm over in Ireland. Like if I go over on tour, last time I was over, there's like um, this guy running through on goal. This is literally the first thing I see. I'm like, oh great, the Gaelic's on. Uh, and this guy's running through on goal and a guy steps forward and just punches him right across the jaw, right, knocks him out in the penalty box or whatever the equivalent of penalty box is and the commentator goes and that is terrible that is a definite yellow card <laughs> and he did he got a yellow it was amazing we, we, we don't have like see in Ireland we like to understate things like like if it's like on pitch violence if it's like if it's war if it's like you know terrorism we don't play it like the second world war wasn't the second world war in Ireland it was the emergency like the the, yeah. Yeah, the 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 war that was going on in Northern Ireland was called the Troubles. Yeah. So you have a bit of troubles, like you know. It's it's also the thing where it's like amateur. So that guy that's just laid someone out is a doctor or something or a vet <laughs> or a policeman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like he's just bringing what he does on the street onto the pitch, you know. So because they do say that in football, like he'd be arrested for that in the street if he made that kind of tackle. And in Gaelic football, it's like, well, no, because the arresting officer would have been making that tackle. But, but it's like we, we know we understand that. Of course, we've got hurling as well. So that was kind of my. That's sport incredibly skillful. It's such a beautiful, wonderful, game to watch. wonderful. And of course, we've got in, in. And this is why I was wondering in Scotland because you've got Shinty in Scotland, which is a great game, but kind of marginalised to the, like up to the to the glens or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's not that long ago that they stopped allowing them to head the ball in Shinty, and the ball's sort of like the texture of a meteorite basically <laughs> um, and they used to bring it down on their forehead to give you some idea of how tough Highlanders are I mean but it, it, even like I mean I remember when they brought in face guards mandatory face guards into hurling for kids first they had mandatory helmets for kids in hurling because we began playing without helmets and people complained oh that's not hurling anymore it's like well you know if you get your face split open your teeth all knocked out I mean you know, and again, you're amateurs, like you said. You go yeah. to work on a Sunday, but I mean, you okay? You, I mean, you're Irish. Your parents are Irish, so you're Irish. Um, when you go to Ireland, do you feel that kind of sense of being home, or I'm Irish in the sense of I'll apply for an Irish passport after Brexit. 
<laughs> you know. Uh, but I, d- I don't feel at home there at all. No, I feel more Scottish. Um, but I sort of I regret not having more connection with them. Do you know what I mean? When I do gigs in Ireland, they're all very polite. The gigs go well. They go much better in Belfast than they do in Dublin. But I sort of wish that I had more to say to them. Do you know what I mean? Because like so much of my act is about British politics, and I'd re- I'd really like when I'm older to go over and like spend a year in Ireland, and you know actually do a, do a show that they would really love. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel at the moment they pay their money and they they watch me a bit like they'd go and see a, a creature in a zoo and they go, well, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just back to like your first like job interview in the printing company. Like, like this specimen yeah. comes in. But I mean, with Gaelic football, did you ever play it? Oh, yeah. I was um, at Aston University um, and there was an Irish society which I was kind of co-opted into because there were so few Irish people. And uh, I was a heavy drinker at the time, uh, and the Irish society also were heavy well, drinkers. Of course, and one day a van just pulled up and uh, said, Frankie, we've got a game! Got a game up in Watford! <laughs> so, like, I jump into the back of the van, and I was to be the keeper. The keeper was sick. Um, and I thought, oh, this is okay. I know what Gaelic is, and I'm, I'm only in goal. And so I caught the first cross, and of course I'd forgotten that in Gaelic you're allowed to charge the keeper into the net if he's holding the ball. So it's a bit where I've caught the ball, and then it's like bed knobs and broomsticks coming towards <laughs> me kind of thing. And it was like one of the worst afternoons of my life. Did you it was, win? It was great. Um, no, we didn't win, but we sort of kept it respectable because one of our players was had been a pro footballer. So pretty much every time we got a free, he would score a goal, and he kind of balanced up my keeping. And so, when you're watching football, I mean, would you support when Donegal? I mean, they not too long ago they they won the All Ireland. Did you? Yes, I offered, that? I offered to buy the whole Donegal team a sheep, uh, a sheep each if they won the uh, All Ireland, <laughs> and uh, they said we'd we'd rather just have the money. So I said, <laughs> <laughs> no money. I guess they all had sheep already. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the batters would have. Yeah, you know, well, I mean that's a, a, a kind of like Wales, Donegal, New Zealand. They had that kind of like you know that like. Uh, but that was amazing. That was like once in a lifetime thing, and also that thing of like you can only ever really be that fit and skillful in a rural community because there's nothing else to do. So you look at those guys in Gaelic now, and they look like middleweight boxers or something. They look like Australian rules people. You know, well, it's gone more that way. And when Ireland used to play. The, the Australian rules pro footballers there was a difference in fitness and stamina but now it's gone maybe for me it's kind of lost that kind of charm because when you look at you know, there's only maybe three four counties like you know Donegal used to be up there now it's Dublin Mayo Kerry and maybe Tyrone that's all I mean so it's very difficult for small counties to break through and a lot of that's to do with uh, emigration as well you know? Yeah, I think actually the Donegal coach from that winning year became Celtic's fitness coach or something. That uh, or psychological coach or fitness coach, yeah. uh, Jim Jim McGuinness. Yeah, Jim McGuinness. I mean, but a lot of our players. I mean, most of the Irish, including Roy Keane and so on, like all the way through, and Pat Bonner. Pat Bonner played for Donegal. Like the Pat Bonner has like the same accent as like the part of Donegal my parents come from. No. They have this like very mournful. Everyone has this very mournful voice. Where they could sort of make the lyrics to Zippity Do that sound like a cancer <laughs> diagnosis. Well, that was a great pass there. I love listening to Pat Bonner. I li- like when Izzy Gary played for Celtic, hearing Pat Bonner say Izzy Gary was a real highlight of my week. I mean, but that's when you hear uh, Sean Kelly, who's from, well, from Waterford Tipperary, the, the Irish cyclist, and yeah. I was commentating on Eurosport. And it's just hilarious. Like he's just he's, he's talking with some guys, like, you know, and ah, yeah, he's after taking off there up the road and he's gone. It's just so. 
I was in Ireland when he went. Did he win the Tour de France? Stephen Roach in '87 won it. Oh, was it Stephen Roach? That was the biggest thing there. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I, I mean, I might have misremembered this, but he sort of came out of a fog or something. No one knew if he was leading, and it was like the country was in uproar about the Tour de France. I mean, that was that was in '87. He won the the Giro d'Italia, the Tour de France, and the World Championships. At the same at the same year, it was a great period for Irish cycling. Um, whenever question marks remain over, so at the time, but um, you know I, that was when we broke up. I think the uh, I wasn't up the west. It was one of the mountain climbs, and yeah. he had lost four or five minutes, and then basically just caught up, caught up, and he was actually weaving through the cars, coming through the fog, and then collapsing, had to be given oxygen on the side of the road. So yeah, I remember that. That's why I used to wee fella from Dublin, like so. But can I ask you what yes. do you think is going to happen in the World Cup? Because um, so far, I've just spoken to Russian people who aren't hugely interested in the World Cup, but I don't think they've really started to think about how the groups are going to pan out or any of that stuff. Do you have any thoughts on it? Well, I started off back in England. I, I thought England would win the World Cup. I really do. I, you know, now with Boris, jo- Boris Johnson has his way. You know, England might not be here. Well, they will be here because. Uh, what call them? <laughs> no way they're going to allow Boris to pull them out in the no, Gareth Southgate told us, like, with all due respect to yeah. Boris Johnson, he yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, I think, oh, I do, I really have a feeling England have a very good team and if he, they have a decent team. I know, I'm sorry, I'm, sa- I'm an Irish person saying this to a Scottish person who's Irish, so it's like a terrible thing to say, but I think they have a good team. However, looking at the, you know, if Russia get out of their group, that's brilliant. They've never, ever qualified from their group in a World Cup. Yeah. Um, they're a long way from 2008 when they had a very good team. They have a lot of injuries now and guys coming back from injuries and even the game tonight because uh, uh, we are pre-recording um, against Brazil they have a lot of injuries caused by the cold. The weather, they, you know, there's been issues with the weather. Right. Um, so they've, they've actually injured themselves because it's so cold? Yeah. I mean, this is the Because both are centre halves are aren't they? Exactly. And it's, the problem is that like when you're playing on, you know, you're moving from a natural turf to AstroTurf surface it's not AstroTurf but onto artificial surface and back again it does make problems now of course the quality of the fields are better and better and better but even still Russia do have the players to get out of the group how far they can go most likely to the quarterfinals because they should get a group there's no mugs in their group Saudi Arabia are you know they had to qualify from Asia so they're decent Um, Russia do have some very good players Uh, they've got no world-class players. They've got two, three European-level players, like a young lad, Zobnin, who's just come back from injury, Spartak player. They have the Moranchuk brothers from Lokomotiv. Um, they have some other good players as well who, who can make an impact, like some of the Zenit players and that, and so, off, and so on. But one big issue would be Cherchesov, who's the coach, uh, Stan Cherchesov, who I actually worked with in Austria many, many years ago. Uh, he has a bit of a, a kind of a pick on some players like uh, the locomotive captain Denisov he won't play him if he can help it which is a big loss because Denisov is a he's a warrior but you've got other players like Samedov and so on who and uh, Dagoev who this is his last chance uh, to really do something Dagoev I saw as a 17, 18 year old playing in the second division he was outstanding then and um, should be abroad should be gone out of Russia uh, Russia don't really have that really great strike force that they that they need, but they have a solid defence, experienced defence, a good spine. They have a decent keeper, Akinfeyev, who I think he, he will actually find his form again. He's a very good player for CSK Moscow. Um, he's been unfortunate, but he'll he'll do well. Um, I think Russia, you know, if they get a 
if they get a run, if they if they qualify from the group, they'll get to the quarterfinals. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. We're playing out part two with a group from Cork who were made famous by Mr. Roy Keane because he actually quoted their song, this current song, when he was explaining his decision why he um, kind of double-crossed Kenny Daglish. Uh, instead of going to Blackburn Rovers, he went down to join Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. Uh, when you listen to it, you'll hear some of the lyrics, and I think anyone who followed at that time that uh, Roy went from uh, Notts Forest to Man United you'll know what he's talking about. This is the Frank and Walters and a beautiful love song called After All. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Зажигательный танцевальный ночной диско-клуб «Ленинград» приглашает вас на день рождения клуба. 21 апреля праздничная вечеринка в стиле диско. Специальный гость – Натали. Диско-клуб «Ленинград». Ленинградский проспект, 24А. Категория 18+. Окей, мы вернулись на Capital Sports и Muscle Capital FM. Я просто начал получать шутку, который сказал мне коллега, который сказал, «Давай, Алан, начинай, начинай». Так что, да, мы начинаем. Так что, конечно, мы сейчас сейчас арена, смотрим «Локомотив» и «Нахмай Грозни». Этот игра будет приходить к концу, как я говорю. Так что, эмоционально, в моем сердце, я и Катерина, в наших сердцах, мы здесь, 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 First, before I start off this final part of the show, and of course we have a little, very interesting take on uh, karma for the English football team uh, with uh, Frankie Boyd just the end of the end of the show. Just want to say thank you very much to our listeners because I know a lot of people listen to our to this show either live um, on CapitalFM.Moscow or uh, on 103.5 or also on our podcast. People are downloading it from SoundCloud.com and on iTunes.com as well. So do it, subscribe to us, listen to us, leave us ratings, let us know what you think. What we can do better as well uh, in the last couple of weeks we had a lot of feedback from both the Paul Kimmage interview and also the interview we had with Paul Little and with uh, Ivan Korsh we had um, two messages in uh, regarding Stoke City saying guys don't be so negative on Stoke that was from Ian who's in I guess it's Stoke it didn't say where he's from uh, we also had another one from an unnamed source uh, but called Roker441 and he said that uh, go Stoke alright uh, also uh, on the Paul Kimmage interview we had uh, good feedback from a very very regular listener of the show Steve uh, from the UK who said like that it was it was great that we actually asked the right questions a lot of people were surprised that uh, Paul spoke so openly and so honestly with us but I mean that's what you know that's what journalism is and we always keep saying that uh, and we're very lucky of course here to have the directors and producers that we have who make it easy for us all we come in and do is talk now uh, before we we Well, get on to that, that final part with Frankie. Just want to uh, wrap up, of course, with our results and our views from last week. So, in Europe, uh, in European football, the draw was made last week for the Champions and Europa League. Uh, next Tuesday, this is a big one. Liverpool are hosting Roma at Anfield, and this is a tie that has all the marks of a classic. Both sides were, we they were surprise winners. We tipped them, of course. Paul Little, of course, our good friend, he tipped them as well. Uh, both these teams come through and win, although he has a bias, he is a Liverpool fan. Uh, but they were winners in the quarters with Liverpool knocking off Man City and Roma shocking Barcelona. So that's going to be a very, very good one. Uh, the other semi has two heavyweights and they are ready to slug it out. This is kind of the uh, Tyson Fury and someone else who has uh, a questionable pass in terms of with um, PEDs. Uh, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, they are go- both desperate to win and they will, you know, they're both consider themselves favourites to win, you know, once they get through the semi final, that they will win the Champions League overall. Now, I know last week I said that the winner was going to come from one of those two. Though, 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 I might have a sneaky look at Liverpool. Uh, and their odds given their end of season form because they are a decent you know a very, very good team Klopp has them playing well he's one of these guys who will kind of give you a shirt off his back um, we'll have to retweet out a story I wrote about him because I've met the man a couple of times he's, he's a lovely guy he's very very funny one thing is just if you uh, buy him a beer he'll be on his ear now 
in the Europa League, the other competition, which of course is more important for us because we covered it all year with uh, Lokomotiv, uh, the two teams we tipped to be finalists are going to meet in the semi-final. Yeah, so on Thursday. Oh, by the way, that uh, Bayern Munich and Real uh, game is also on 9.45, but on Wednesday. So on Thursday next week, Arsenal are hosting Atletico Madrid in London, while down in the south of France, Marseille have Red Bull Salzburg coming down from the mountains for the Tyrol. And uh, you know Salzburg, they were surprised wins against Napoli. We did not see that coming really. Uh, they won the second leg four one and six five overall because they were trading four two from the first leg. Uh, so right now you fancy them to win at least one of the two matches, uh, but still Marseille, you know Marseille are banking on winning this uh, leg at least. Uh, and the Arsenal Atletico, look, I stick what what I said after I saw Atletico dismantle Loco. It's going to be them or Arsenal to win the whole thing. I do think Arsenal should do it because uh, Wenger, he, he's a... Well, I suppose it's terrible to say, but he's a cup specialist by this stage. But anyway, um, you know, that's it's good for Arsenal. So it's good, it's good it's good for football overall. It's good for English football, of course. And it's good for, for the spectrum because you've got a great semi-final. Liverpool, Roma, that's going to be a cracker. I tip Liverpool to come through. And uh, Arsenal to come through against Atletico Madrid. So it could be, uh, you know, an all-English uh, end-of-season party and an all-English Super Cup, uh, UEFA Super Cup. Now... Moving on to the ice, Siska uh, have well, the first of their home games coming against Akbars this evening. Of course, uh, you'll be hearing the result of this from our news crew. Uh, they're playing Akbars now. This is game three, and Siska they have lost the first two games, both two one, both in Tatarstan. So the army men need to win this one to stay alive because game four is on Friday, and a loss tonight means that Akbars will just need to win on Friday night, or at least you know go home to play the, the game five in Kazan to win their third Gagarin Cup the what's it called the, the, the KHL title now Siska they've only once been to the final before and they lost uh, so they'll be hoping a second time lucky um, you know the fact that Siska are here like I've seen them many many times this season uh, for Capital FM for Capital Sports uh, is down to really a superb defence and superb goaltending they really have two great keepers a Swiss lad and uh, a Russian player uh, Kazan they're a little bit looser at the back uh, they've seen quite a lot of goals and they're not quite fluid up front but they have big game experience and they know how to win the title I think this is their fifth finals or sixth finals so uh, look let's all cross our fingers here in Moscow and you listeners who are outside of Moscow as well cross your fingers for Siska let's, let's take it to game five or game six or at least game seven it'd be brilliant okay on Russian sport we'll continue on it because uh, let us wish right now we should have done it at the start of the show but I'll do it at the end of the show or almost the end of the show Happy birthday to Spartak Moscow, 96 years young and only five points behind Lokomotiv in the title race. Of course, I'm joking, we are kind of making fun of that because you guys have a great chance to win the FA Cup here in Russia, uh, the Russian Cup. You know, it, it'll be finished by the time we, you know, we go on air, so uh, everyone will know about this. Um, the only problem is, you know, I think a lot of fans will start to wonder, like, if we can only win the Cup with Massimo Carrera, what's going to happen? But do you know what? In fairness, the Italian has done a very solid job uh, because, of course, we knew all along that he was two results away from getting the sack back in autumn, especially when they lost the locomotive. Uh, but he has galvanised the team. He has uh, kept the supporters happy. And so long as the team are chasing the title, I think most people at the Ukriti Arena, uh, even tonight, will be happy. Um, you know, he's done a good job. And Okay. Let him, let him go ahead. Uh, today, of course, Avangar Kursk, they hosted Shinik uh, Yaroslava and Tosno were at the Otkrita in the Cup semi-final. So, you know, a Shinik-Spartak final looks on the odds. But it'd be great to see Avangar Kursk 
come up there. Good, you know, good uh, team from the provinces, and uh, I think there's third division as well. So we could see them, uh, or uh, League Two, I should say. So we could see them to get to the final. In the main competition, the one that matters most, Lokomotiv took a huge step towards winning the title by putting four past Dinamo without a reply. Yes, they won that Moscow Derby four 0 this past weekend. They dominated from the kickoff, and tonight. Well, as I said, the reason we pre-recorded is that we're at the Day Arena to watch their game in hand against Ahmad Grozny. Now, a win tonight will put them level on games with Spartak, but eight points ahead. So if they win just two more games, they have four remaining, uh, they will win the league. Probably could win one and draw three, but let's not go that way. I explained last week there was a disaster for my team in Canada. Um, so destiny is in the railway men's hands. Siska are in action also tonight on a pretty busy one for Moscow clubs. They have Amkar at the VEB. Meanwhile, Fort Wheel Dinamar are up in the Dublin of the North, as it's known, or St. Petersburg, as the locals try to call it. Uh, they're facing Zenit. Now, depending on how much they gave against Loco... Um, you know, you know, they should at least try to hold Zenith, at least get a point, because uh, uh, this, these are the death throes of the, Man- the Mancini regime up in St. Pete's, uh, but I think they should beat Dinamo, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, Siska and Amkar, well, I mean, we saw how the Railway men uh, fell apart against Amkar in the second half, uh, even though I did predict it at half-time. Uh, they got one over local, of course, went 2-1, but I think Siska are that little bit stronger. I think they will win. Uh, so, after... Well, I mean, it's as if I... I of course, I'm pre-recording this, so I don't know the results in advance. So, after tonight, we should see Siskan Zenit in joint third spot, just two points behind Spartak. Spartak uh, will slip down to fifth. Uh, Dinamo, you know, they'll still be alive come the weekend, but they will have a long trip to Haberovs to play Ska, and that's that, that, that's tough for them. Uh, and this is one where they'll need a point from. Ska, of course, are rock bottom, so a single point means that Dinamo will stay out of the rege- relegation spots come this day next week. Uh, that one starts at 11am uh, Moscow time on Sunday morning. Siska, they have the chance to kill Krasnodar off on Sunday too. That one's at the VEB Arena. There are tickets left, but listen... Get in, get to see that game. Uh, it's it, it's you know, this not just a fight for second place. This is very very important for Siska as well. Uh, kickoff is at four thirty. Siska need to win. They need to get into the second place to get into the Champions League spot as well. Spartak they are starting their game with Ahmad uh, on Sunday at seven thirty, and they will know that nothing but a win will suffice. Thirty minutes before that, of course, Loco will be opening up on or against Ufa at the Urgea Day Arena we'll be there of course for that one uh, and on Friday you'll be able to win two tickets by listening in to Capital FM uh, those tickets worth of course 12,000 rubles if you do that you'll get a chance to get your tickets of course come into a VIP lounge with us drink eat be merry and you'll meet Kachibichkova so you cannot go wrong uh, Zenith they are away to Arsenal Tula on Sunday Kickoff is at 2pm so by Sunday night we should have a very very clear view of what's going on so a win for Lokomotiv and a loss for Spartak means well the, the, the title is going to Turkey so right uh, we're going to go to that final little bit with uh, Frankie Boyle I think you'll find a bit of a laugh and then we'll uh, play out with a final song a little bit of a, uh, a motif for the English champion uh, the English champion with Alan Moore. But, um, of course, the hand of God, you know, um, has haunted England ever since because it was 20 years after they won the World Cup at home thanks to a dodgy Azerbaijani, Armenian, Russian, Soviet linesman. Yep. So, is that then karma paying England back that they're not going to win the World Cup ever again? I think if it's karma for the British Empire, I think I think the team playing is going to crash into an oil refinery on the way here. I and mean, there's no way it's, it's enough 
for what they've done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on very quickly. So, and then just also, uh, yeah, we could. Like, so the, the rivalry between Scotland, because of course you are Scottish, and England. I yeah. mean, tell us a bit about it, because I mean, listeners here, they, you know, they will sort of see everything was British. So, why this great rivalry, apart from so many thousand years of history? Um, well, it's largely historical. I think there's a kind of like cultural antipathy as well though isn't there so there's a sort of um, uh, also Scottish people don't have anything better to do than to wish ill on England because we're not at the World Cup you know and, that, and that's true in a lot of areas of life um, basically we had an independence referendum recently I mean uh, Russians might not know about this but um, there was a vote for Scottish people where they could have broken away from Great Britain and it didn't happen um, now this isn't Brexit, this is before Brexit This is before Brexit, there was a, a referendum on Scottish independence And Scotland I think is one of the first nations in history to vote to stay dependent um, And uh, I was very much for independence But I think it sort of needs, Scotland kind of needs a cultural revival I think most countries that become independent, as Ireland before it became independent they have a cultural revival first and people learn about what's similar about them because there is something that links me to a Muslim guy growing up in Edinburgh or, you know, somebody growing up in uh, Aberdeen that doesn't link me to somebody in Liverpool. There is a kind of indefinable something and culture is sort of about defining that. Whereas, like, what you've got in Scotland is a sort of managerial class. They've sort of internalised the, the lessons of Westminster, you know, so you have an SNP very well-meaning kind of independence party who uh, basically want to manage people uh, in the same way that Westminster currently manages people, just with a different kind of a different kind of flag and that's not going to wash, there's just too many cultural cross-currents in, in Scotland for that to succeed Capital Sports with Alan Moore of course, we do not support, we do not back um, what Frankie suggests should happen. But, well, you know, as he said, 1966 and all that. Well, we are going to go out into the good night. Uh, well, we already are in the good night. Uh, the game will be over right now, so you'll hear the result quite soon on the news. And we're going to play out with a song, which is uh, kind of a congratulations uh, to Man City for winning the league, as we predicted back, as I said, in October. Uh, these The boys support them, of course, are both of Irish heritage and very, very proud of Irish heritage. Um, they are massive Man City fans. Uh, so, you know, well done, Man City. Well done. Uh, you've done a, a plastic double. So uh, let's see what happens next year in the Champions League and if Pep is still there come September. We're going to play out with a, a, a sort of a little an anthem for, for, for Man City. This is Oasis and Rock and Roll Star. Talk to you guys next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.